Oh man, I so wanted to do the graduation song there and sing it, but uh, I couldn't decipher it in my head between that and the wedding march, so I just panicked and didn't sing anything. Uh, but welcome back, everybody, to the Slapshot Sammy podcast. This is the season one finale, uh, the final episode of the season one as we head into the playoffs and the summer of the 2021 season. So I'm uh, really excited to to be finishing up here, really excited that we had this was 14 episodes of this. This will be the 14th. Um, so thanks so much for listening. But let's just dive right in. Um, I want to first go over the playoffs a little bit. And then we're going to jump into the the Dallas Stars kind of round up looking into the offseason and go from there. So Stanley Cup playoffs began uh, about a week ago, week and a half. Actually, two weeks now um, we've been in the playoffs. So we have some updates. We have some teams that have been eliminated um, as of right now, Winnipeg eliminated Edmonton, or sorry, Winnipeg is up 3-0 on Edmonton. Uh, we have a 1-1 series in Toronto and Montreal. Colorado swept St. Louis. Vegas up 3-1 in Minnesota. Uh, New York and Pittsburgh are tied 2-2. Boston beat Washington 4-1. little surprise there. Uh, another surprise, Nashville ended up winning two straight to tie Carolina 2-2. And Tampa leads Florida 3-1 in the all-Florida series. So, Two teams have been eliminated, Washington and Seattle. I mean, Washington, (laughs) jumping ahead there a little bit. Washington and St. Louis. Um, St. Louis was not a surprise. Colorado was the best team coming into the playoffs, and St. Louis got swept like they deserved to. Uh, Boston beating Washington 4-1 was a little bit of a surprise, especially how easily it looked um, to beat them, you know, beating them 4-1 when Washington looked like a a stronger team coming in. But what I really want to jump in is, you know, I want to look at, uh, my thoughts and predictions for the Final Four. Um, I wish there was a nickname for it. If there is, someone tell me, tweet at me, Sam Nestler, tell me if there is, because I don't know that there is. Um, but with the Frozen Four and things like that, this year, obviously, there's no conference champion because there's no conferences. But I would love for them to for them to come up with some some fun name for the uh, you know maybe the, maybe the COVID four or something ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, so the the Final Four is what we'll call it. Um, It'll feature one team from each division, um, so it's all division until they get to the, that final four spot, and then the top seed of the remaining of that will play the bottom seed from there. So it'll be a reseeding uh, once they get to that point. So um, my predictions first, I want to go over my my final four, um, and then my final, and then we'll look at what is probably going to be the best matchup uh, possible throughout the whole playoffs. So. My final four, uh, not not a ton of surprises here. I have Colorado going to the, to the final four. Um, they are, I think they are the best team if they can defend well enough. And St. Louis obviously wasn't a great offensive team, um, but Colorado defended very well in that series and looked really good. So if, if Colorado can defend, they should be uh, a favorite to win the cup. And I believe they are the favorite to win the cup. Um, then I have the, so Colorado would be matched up with the four basically, um, which I believe will probably be, um, either Winnipeg, Tampa or Boston. So that's my final four right there. Those are going to be my four spots. Winnipeg coming out of the North Boston coming out of the East and Tampa coming out of the central. Um, those are all three seeds, which is really interesting because, um, I don't really know how that's going to seed. If they're all threes, um, I believe they start going to tiebreakers and look at their regular season records and um, those tiebreakers from before. So um, I'm going to go ahead and just say that Colorado will play uh, 
Boston most likely because Boston was one of the lower of those teams. Um, and then Tampa versus Winnipeg will probably be the other matchup, which is super cool. Those are some really interesting matchups you don't see. I mean, those are basically Stanley Cup final matchups because you have a Winnipeg and Colorado who are normal Western Conference teams, Boston and Tampa, normal Eastern Conference teams, and you're getting two of those matchups versus one. So I hope it's that. Um, or at least switch the two and have Tampa play Winnipeg, Boston play Colorado. So we get the double, you know, the dual intra-conference matchup, if that's the right word. Um, But we'll have, so those are the final four that I predict. I will, I'm seeing Colorado and Tampa making it to the final. Um, Tampa, I know that Tampa was not the best team in the Central all year, and they struggled towards the end. But as soon as they got Stamkos and Kucherov back, they just looked like a completely new team. Um, Kucherov was hurt in the last game, as well as Sergeyev. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I don't know if there's been an update on that at this point. Uh, That was two days ago at this point. So as long as those guys are good to go, uh, then I think Tampa makes it to the final. And I think that the Stanley Cup champion will be the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I hate to pick the the top seed to win, but they just absolutely blew St. Louis out of the water. They blew a lot of teams out of the water during the regular season. And like I said, if they can get a little bit of goaltending, which Grubauer has been great so far, and a little bit of more defense than they got last year, because once they got against a team like Dallas that was scoring uh, you know, at a high pace last year, they just couldn't keep up for a lot of the games. Uh, ended up going to Game 7, but in the games they lost, they gave up five and four goals consistently. So as long as they can defend a little bit more and get a little bit better goaltending, which they have so far, um, I believe they will be the Stanley Cup champion. So we'll keep an eye on that. But I'm going to go ahead and say Colorado, and I think that the Conn Smythe winner... Um, I don't think it's going to be McKinnon. I think it's going to be Miko Ranton, uh, who led the, the team in points during the regular season. Um, but really, you could just you could toss it in the hat and say Landis Gog, Ranton, and McKinnon. One of those three will probably be the the consmite if they do get in. McKinnon, uh, he just goes to a new level. Yesterday, in yesterday's game against St. Louis, they were playing really bad in the first period, first period and a half. St. Louis actually took their first lead of the series in that game, one nothing, and then McKinnon just looked like he was a man possessed. He was skating. You know, when he gets when he gets his speed going, nobody can keep up. It's him and McDavid um, that just they get the puck, they can skate circles around the defense, they can take over a game, and he did that, and it ended up leading to Colorado coming back and winning that game. So, um, you know, he's very well could be the Smythe, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say Ranton, and because he scores uh, so many goals for that team and is such a, a high value player, so. Colorado beats Tampa in the final. Miko Ranton is the Conn Smythe winner. That's my predictions. Um, going back to the whole playoffs, I want to look best matchups. So there's some really cool matchups like we just talked about. Um, you know, you get some east-west matchups. You get some different matchups. But I think the matchup that everyone wants to see is the one that is one game away from happening, uh, which is Vegas-Colorado. Um, that series wasn't super exciting in the regular season. But you got to think that once we get to a playoffs, those teams are going to be playing at a high level in the second round. Vegas is up 3-1 on Minnesota. So if they win the next game or, you know, any of the next three, they will be in uh, against Colorado in that second round. Honestly, that's probably the Stanley Cup. (laughs) If you look at the whole bracket, um, those are two of the best teams. But we're going to get it early. We're going to get it in the second round, and it's going to be a fun one. So I think that'll probably be the best matchup in the entire playoffs, um, best possible matchup in the playoffs. You get some other fun ones. You know, the, the Winnipeg, Winnipeg-Toronto Winnipeg would be a fun one um, if Toronto can can come out and win. 
Um, you know, you, Boston, maybe Boston, uh, New York would be cool if those teams could come out. Um, Carolina, Tampa would be a great one. You know, there's a lot of good matchups, but I think that Vegas, Colorado one is going to be high flying and exciting um, and kind of a cool clash because Vegas can high fly and score, but they also are a strong physical team. And Colorado is a high, fast paced scoring team. So it'd be really cool to watch those two teams play. But exciting stuff so far in the playoffs. I mean, we've seen like six overtime games already. Um, the two double overtime games back to back in the Nashville series. So we're going to get a lot of exciting stuff. So if you're not tuning in, please tune in, especially to that Florida series. That one has been, I'm hoping that Florida wins like three straight for that series because right now Tampa's up 3-1 and it has been so much fun to watch those games. Every game has been like 5-4. Tampa or Florida coming back from a three-goal deficit. Tampa coming back from down two. Every whistle, there's a fight and pushing and shoving and mouthing off, and it's just been super fun to watch. So please, if there's only one more game in that series, I highly suggest you tune in. I believe that will be tonight, Monday night, uh, will be game six of that series. Or sorry, game five of that series. Game six of that series. I'm not good at math. Game five. Um, so t- please check that out. But overall, going to be a fun playoff. So now what I want to do is shift over to our favorite Dallas Stars who did not make the playoffs, as you already know and could have guessed from the beginning of this segment. Um, it was a tough ending. The Stars, we, like we talked about, they didn't do themselves any favors early in the season, and they definitely didn't do themselves any favors at the end. In between, they were a great team. Um, it's kind of funny because last year they had the worst start, I believe, in franchise history. Then they were the most or the highest winning team in the NHL for the middle part. And then they went on a five or six game losing streak before the COVID stoppage. So I'm not really sure what's going on if they need to fix something where they don't start well uh, and they don't finish well, but the middle's good. Um, I don't really know, but same thing happened this year. Uh, the start wasn't good after the after the 4-0 start, which was great. The Right after that is what I'm referring to as the, the real start is when they really started to struggle. Um, and then at the end, they went on that seven game road trip and lost the first five. Uh, which was killer. I ended up losing, I think they ended up losing six out of seven on that road trip. Um, but they needed some help because Nashville was was winning. Nashville actually lost a big game to Columbus, which was huge help. Uh, but the, in the end, Dallas didn't end up getting enough points to project them. One point here and there, one overtime win of the 14 losses, uh, one win when on that road trip, just any of those things. That's all. They were so close. Um, and they ended up missing the playoffs by four points because Nashville actually ended up beating Carolina in both of their last two games. Um, Saturday, the the first game against Carolina, if Nashville had lost, Dallas was still alive. Uh, they ended up winning that game. So Dallas was eliminated before their two-game series against Chicago, uh, which they ended up winning one of those two. So Stars missed the playoffs for the first time in three years. Um, it's tough. It's They have plenty of excuses. You know, We've talked so much about all the stuff that's happened this year. But they still want to make the playoffs. And even if it was a short run, you always want to make the playoffs. Um, however, going into the offseason, it might have been better. You know, obviously the team wants to make the playoffs and the organization is not going to admit that this is a, a true thing. But for a fan and for someone looking at the team, it might have actually been better for Dallas not to make the playoffs. So let's say they make the playoffs. Rope Hintz has to keep playing through his injury. Uh, Fox is playing through an injury. Sagan is not 100%. They're going with with Ottinger and Hudobin, who hasn't, Ottinger has been great. Hudobin hasn't been very good. And they're playing a Carolina team that has beat them up pretty good in the series of the, uh, during the regular season. 
let's say they go down, they lose that series four to one or something like that. That extends their off season now, or delays their off season now. Maybe more injuries come from it. Maybe those who are already injured get worse, and nothing really comes out of it besides we made the playoffs, but it's still a failure of a season because we didn't make it all the way. So, to me, as much as I want to watch Stars playoff hockey, it's not as hard to swallow as other years when they miss the playoffs because of all those things. Rope hints. Jumps right in, gets surgery last week. Now he's ready to go for training camp, or projected to be ready to go for training camp. Radulov, who already got surgery, is ready to go for training camp. Ben Bishop should be recovering and ready to go for training camp. Tyler Sagan can now jump into a more hardcore, uh, you know, high-level training in the summer to get up to 100% and maybe even beyond. He'll be ready for training camp. Everyone's going to be full, full, um, full health. Braddock Foxa, who we learned was playing with uh, some his injured wrist. He broke it last year in the playoffs. Um, similar to Rope Hintz, where he came into the season um, thinking it was better, and then it started flaring up early in the year, and he ended up having issues shooting and face-offs and things like that. Um, so he'll get, he doesn't need surgery. He just gets the recover fully, and he'll be ready for the season. And then all of the bumps and bruises and the little things that had guys missing, short amount of time, um, you can just I mean, I think there was only two players that made that played every game this year. Uh, Lindell and, Fa- and Pavelski, I believe, were the two. There might be one more that I'm forgetting about. But you can just toss the names out and say, this is someone who needs to fix this. This is someone who needs to recover for this. Um, and then injuries aside, the mental grind was so hard for the Stars team with the ridiculous amount of games. I believe it was 56 games in 108 days was the total for the season, which is ridiculous um absolutely ridiculous that they played more than every other night uh cannot imagine the grind especially towards the end of the year when they were playing every other every other day three out of four or four out of six days um and so the mental recovery you know everyone just said in their in their exit interviews they need to just step away for a little bit um and that's true you just need to step away from the struggle and the intensity and the COVID hotel restrictions and all these things that were going on, um, they just need to kind of recover from it for a second. And that's going to be huge for them because mental burnout can actually hurt you worse than physical injuries um, in a playoff or in a in a season because it's really hard to get the energy for the game. It's really hard to get into the game mentally. Um, so all of those things being said, I think that this season, um, you know, being a failure that they didn't make the playoffs, the fact that they were in the position they were in at the end, I am, you know, sort of okay that they missed the playoffs. And I think that they are putting themselves in a spot towards um, a year where many people think is their possible year, their window year um, coming up this season. But we'll get into that in a second. Um, so the biggest things for the, for the offseason to keep an eye on, injury recovery. We just spoke about it. All those guys that got surgery um, that are recovering from injuries, they are hopefully going to be there. Everyone's projected to be ready for training camp. And it, I cannot stress how important it is for that to be true. They're, the biggest thing this year was that every injury that happened dragged on longer than it than they wanted it to. Whether it was Hintz, who was supposed to be healthy and wasn't. Whether it was Foxa, same thing. Whether it was Sagan, being ended up being like a month and a half later than they thought. Bishop being shut down for the season. Radulov being shut down for the season. All these things that they they were expecting and ready for help, and then, boom, they're hit with another adversity. It's not going to happen. So for this team, mentally, physically, everything, they need to have every one of their players fully healthy when training camp starts so that every day of training camp they are a full team. 
all the energy starts off right. There's no thought of, oh, here we go again, and they just get to grind and and start on the upward trajectory for this next year's season. Um, so injury recovery is going to be something to watch. Uh, like I said, everyone's projected to be ready. Hopefully that's the case. Um, the second thing to watch is the free agency. So the Stars have some big free agents this year. Um, Miro Haskin is number one. He's a restricted free agent. Obviously, he will be re-signing in Dallas, um, barring anything crazy. Um, but the big thing for Haskinen is that they're looking at which type of contract to sign. So uh, defensemen in his position, he's getting out of his entry-level contract, usually sign a big extension, seven to eight years, something like Klingberg signed or McCarr, those kind of people that have signed those big, um, you know, they're going to sign those big year uh, or big extensions. But the other thing is that the cap is actually flat for because of covid so that means that there's less money to be given out to these players so essentially from haskin inside you know you want a player always wants to sign a longer term deal they want the safety they want to feel good unless they're testing out the new waters and making sure but he knows he wants to be in dallas um, so he wants to sign a long-term deal however if he was to sign a bridge deal uh which maybe is two to three years for a little bit less then in three years hopefully for him the cap is back to normal. He's able to get a bigger extension and actually make more money overall. Um, and then for Dallas, they I believe they really want a bridge deal because they have some names they want to bring back as far as their own free agents. They also need some money in there in case they need to add since Jim Neal did no additions in the last you know pre offseason or free agency, essentially. Um, they want to have that extra because they know if an injury comes up, we need to add because... We don't. We can't just trust our own team. Um, you never know what's going to happen with injuries. They saw the worst of it in the playoffs last year and this year. So he knows he needs to have a little bit of extra money in there, so that they, if they can save, you know, another four million or whatever it might be, that's a big amount to put into your pocket to be able to to add or to bring back names they really want to bring back. So Haskinen will resign. Just depends on what what will happen there um, as far as term. The other big name is Jamie Alexiak. He will be a unrestricted free agent. Um, he will not be signed before the Seattle uh, Kraken expansion draft, which will be July. We'll get into Seattle a little bit in a second here, but the reason for that is that Seattle and any expansion team doesn't usually take a risk on an unrestricted free agent because if they were to draft them, they would have to sign them right after. Or I believe that the draft is a week before free agency, so essentially they have a week to sign them. If they don't, they might lose them. So they might waste the whole draft pick and lose the player. So the Stars choosing not to uh, protect him or not to sign him because that might happen. So they feel they're very confident that they won't select him. Then Dallas will have a week before anyone else gets a shot at Alexiak to re-sign him. Um, they have said, Jim Nell said a million times that they believe he's a huge part of the team. Everyone saw it this year. He's a top four defenseman. He played so well with Miro. Um, so they will look to sign him again uh, in the in the you know the week after the expansion draft. The other free agents, uh, there's some others, you know, that are going to get signed back. Uh, UL Kivi Ranta um, will be a restricted free agent. Jason Dickinson, also a restricted free agent. Um, I think there's there's some smaller ones, you know, some uh, taxi squad guys that will be resigned as well. But um, all those guys will get resigned. It just depends on how much. Jason Dickinson is another interesting thing. We're going to jump into the Seattle expansion draft in one second here. Um, the last free agent that I want to talk about, he's not a free agent this summer, but John Klingberg's uh, extension is actually out next year. So his, he signed a seven-year deal six years ago now. 
um, and that will end. He will be a free agent next summer. So the only reason I bring that up now is because it's always important, if you can, to sign that player before you get close to that point. The added stress, the added things, you don't want that going through your player's head. You don't want that in your organization. You want to just boom, put the ink down and get it going. So the stars are going to look to re-sign him. Um, There's not as much urgency. Like I said, he doesn't run out until next year, but they will look to re-sign him, whether it's in the summer or during the season at some point, they want to get that done before they get close to next summer and things start getting hectic a little bit uh, for Klingberg. So there's been some rumors of maybe trading him and things like that, but the stars got it. I got to believe that they are going to put everything they can into getting him back. He is a huge part of the team. Um, their best offensive defenseman, their best power play defenseman, all these things. So um, that would be a huge loss if they were not able to retain him next season. But looking into the the big other biggest things in the summer, Seattle will be doing their expansion draft in July, um, which will be exciting. But also, if you're a fan of another team, you got to be like, all right, I love that we're getting new teams, but please stop because they keep taking my players. And just like I felt in with the Vegas when they took Cody Eakin, you lose the players that you really love, learn to love as a fan because you usually lose the third to second line, um, you know, Cody Eakin, Jason Dickinson type players that every fan loves because they work hard, they're, they're universal, they're utility players, and um, that's usually who they don't protect because they're not able, they have to protect their high-level skilled guys. So with this Seattle draft, um, if you would have looked at the projections before this season started, it would have been Anton Hudobin, Anton Hudobin, Anton Hudobin. He had an incredible run to the Stanley Cup final last year. He's not going to be protected. The Stars have plenty of goalies in the system with Ottinger, who was quote-unquote in the system until he had to step in for Bishop this year. And um, Hudobin was aging. They It just seemed like it was a great uh, thing for the Stars. Um, as much as, you know, before fans were thinking, I really hope they don't take Hudobin. And then as this season started going and Ottinger looked as good as he did, now it was like, uh, wait a minute, maybe we do hope they take Hudobin because now we have kind of have three goalies going on. Um, so in my mind, I don't think Anton Hudobin gets selected. There are plenty of other goalies with, you know, Ranta and I think Holtby, um, Drieger in Florida might be one if they don't re-sign him. All these things, uh, all these other players that I think are better options, younger goalies, uh, maybe even cheaper goalies. I think Hudobin has like a 3.3 million cap on uh, hit on him. So I don't believe they will take Hudobin, which will leave the Stars in a situation that we are going to jump into right after the Seattle conversation here. Um, but what that means is that the Stars are going to have to make a decision. And when you look at the protection list, so they're able to protect seven, seven forwards, um, three defensemen, and one goalie, or I believe it's a total of... Um, 11 skaters and a goalie. Uh, you can kind of find your your combination there. Uh, I don't. I must might have messed up the numbers specifically, but essentially Dallas pr- is protecting everyone you would think they're protecting. Um, the Sagans, the Ben, um, Rope Hintz, Skurianov, uh, Miro Haskinen, Klingberg, Lindell, and Bishop has to be protected because of his no movement clause. Um, so essentially, what it comes down to is it will leave players like Pavelski is the decision. And Dickinson. Um, there's some other names, you know, some lower names that might be tossed in the mix. And sometimes they actually take those players. You know, sometimes they take a taxi squad or an AHL guy because they think he's going to be good potential. But essentially, it to me, it comes down to Dickinson or Pavelski. And before this season, I think that that was not 100% who the Stars would protect. 
after this season. Pavelski was probably the MVP of the team. I think they protect him, especially because they believe that their next year to two years um, are going to be really good for this team, and Pavelski has one year left on his deal. So I think Pavelski gets protected. Unfortunately, that leaves Jason Dickinson not unprotected. And if you're a Stars fan, you know how much he means to this team, how much of a utility player he is, and how much he could help anybody. I think that he gets picked by Seattle. Um, I would hate to see it. I love Jason Dickinson. He's He can play on any line. He penalty, plays on the penalty kill. He can even play on the power play. Um, he just he sacrifices his body every day. And more than any other player, he gets hurt because he sacrifices his body. I mean, that guy gets hit in the face with a puck or stick every game. Um, so I would really hate to see him go, but unless the stars, you know, kind of up their ante a little bit with Hudobin and say, we'll give you a draft pick or someone else in this deal. If you pick Hudobin, um, I don't know if they do, that might be their best option is trying to push that as hard as they can and say, take Hudobin leaves us with two goalies. We know what we need, we know what we have and we're going forward. Um, but I think they're going to have to give them something good in order to get Seattle to take Hudobin. So if I were to pick right now, I believe that the Stars protect Pavelski and Dickinson gets selected, uh, which would stink for the Stars. But, you know, it is what it is. This hopefully is the last expansion team, uh, at least for a long time, so they don't have to worry about it anymore. But what that would do uh, is leave the Stars with a little bit of a goalie logjam. Um, they now have, would have three goalies, Hudobin, Ottinger, and Bishop, all under contract. Ottinger proved this year that he is overqualified for the AHL. All he has done is played well since he came in. He played well in relief in the playoffs. He didn't give up any goals in his play in his reliefs in those uh, Stanley Cup playoffs last season. He was not pulled one time in all of his starts this year. Um, he had a good record. He had great numbers, um, you know, solid uh, solid numbers all throughout. Um, even when he gave up a bad goal, it looked like he always responded and played well afterwards. He was just continuing to grow, and he's only 22 years old. He is the future. Um, but I think that they really believe that he would grow more as a backup in the NHL than as a starter in the AHL. And that's a that's a big decision for them because if that's the case, now what do they do with Hudobin? Because, um, you know, this is assuming Bishop is ready for the season. If he is not and anything goes wrong, now he's the thirty now he's a thirty five year old with all these injuries maybe things start looking a little different if he's not ready and they have to really make some big decisions. But assuming Bishop is ready, he's their number one goalie. He's a Vesna caliber goalie. But knowing his injury history, they need a solid backup. And I think either one of these goalies can be Ottinger and Hudobin. But do the stars look at keeping that duo that was so good? Hudobin and Bishop were fantastic. We don't we can't forget that. They were amazing together. But do we risk Ottinger's growth being stunted by dropping him to the AHL? Do they possibly keep three goalies in the NHL level and shuffle in each of the three, which they can do? It might take some, you know, they wouldn't have as many players to or skaters as available, but there's some options there for them. The other option is if they don't pick Hudobin, they might look to trade Hudobin. Um, and that is because I believe that they could get something for him even though he had a rough year. There's been some goalies get, that have drawn a, a good pick, or um, I think Patterin uh, was traded this year for a uh, for an aging goalie. I can't remember exactly who it was. So they believe they could probably still get something for him, so trading him might be an option if they believe Ottinger is ready and he'll be a backup. The only problem with that is, is Ottinger ready to be a number one if Bishop goes down again? And so that's where it's a really tough position for the team is that Looking at Bishop, he's gotten hurt every year. 
since he's been in the stars. Some some have been extreme injuries like this year where he missed the whole year and the whole playoffs last year. Some have been a week. Some have been a month. But can you risk that? Can you risk your team being in win-now mode, having all these things going well, and then Bishop goes down, and let's say Ottinger comes in and he's not ready? Because it's a lot different being a splitting time or a backup goalie than it is to be the guy. Is that, are the Stars ready to jump on Ottinger's back in the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs or 2022, whatever year we're talking about here? So it puts him in a tough position. Um, I think that if they if he doesn't get selected, they'll look to trade Hudobin in my mind, but they could also split the difference here and keep all three. Maybe Ottinger goes to the AHL and they call him up here and there. And then during the season, Hudobin plays a little better, hopefully. And now he's a little more value for a trade towards free agency or whatever it might be, um, or towards the, the trade deadline. I mean, so a lot of options there for the goalies, um, but they are in a, in a, in a tough spot, but also a good spot. They have three solid goalies and that's something that a lot of teams can barely say they have two. So, um, I will take it, and we'll see what happens with those goalie selections. The last thing for the offseason is, uh, do, do the Stars bring anybody in? You know, as I said before, the uh, Jim Nil did very little in the last year. Um, I think it was the first year since he came to Dallas that he didn't make an in-season trade. Uh, he didn't really make any big deals last year. He brought in, you know, Pesic, who was, big, was basically their biggest addition. Uh, so nothing big there. And, and for, you know, rightfully so, if you look to the team, the lineup on paper— they were a great team. They didn't need to bring much in, but all the injuries ended up crushing them in the end. Um, so a little bit of depth there maybe would have helped them get over the edge, over the hump and get into the playoffs. So what does he do in this summer? Does he go in saying the same thing, and then if things aren't going well or there's a, there's injuries, he does something early? Or does he look to add at least a little something? They're not, I'm not talking about bringing in Jack Eichel or some big name, but does he bring in a little something? There's players like Blake Coleman on Tampa um, that will be a – a free agent this summer, those type of players can make a big difference because Blake Coleman is essentially a um, a uh, a third line guy, but a scoring third line guy. So we looked at I didn't I didn't mention the free agents uh, Cogliano and Como um, are also free agents, but we I don't believe the Stars will be bringing them back. That's why I didn't mention them. But it looks like they would love to have those guys, but those guys, their scoring has gone down. They have a pretty high salary versus a lot of other people in that um, area, and younger players on the Stars team could probably fill that role as much as the veteran leadership has been great. Um, do you drop those two off your off your uh, your salary, gain a big three point five or four million in the uh, in cap, and then be able to bring in someone like Blake Coleman, or do you trust Ty Delandria and Riley Damiani and those other younger guys that look like they're ready, might be ready for the NHL who can score more goals as well as play that defensive third line role with Foxa and those guys. Um, but the lineup, you know, could be all kinds of things, but essentially if those guys leave, maybe bringing in one of those Blake Coleman type players can bring you a little more scoring on your, on your third line and your fourth line and things like that. So in my mind, if they do bring anybody in, it's going to be that type of addition. Um, you know, there might be a, a, smaller name like a Pesic or someone like that um, although their defense is pretty stacked right now so it doesn't look like there'll be a whole lot maybe a little bit of depth in that area um, someone who could maybe surprise you and score 20 goals or at least put in 10 and be a solid defensive two-way player um, but just like the trade deadline not expecting a whole lot um, hopeful there's something though I guess I think every Stars fan is hoping some kind of help comes in even though this team looks like it could be very good next season so for the final point 
of the uh, of the episode as well as the season of this podcast. I want to talk about the projected stars lineup for next year. It can be, like I just said, so many different things, um, especially lines. So I'm not going to really go into lines and those things because there can be so many different things. There's the option of bringing back those veterans, and now the lines look pretty similar to what you expect. There's the option of maybe bringing someone else in, and then now you have you know maybe seven or eight top six forwards. So now you could spread them out a little bit. Now your third line is more of a scoring and defensive line versus a defensive line. So there's a lot they can do with line matchups. But essentially, on paper, this team looks ready to make a run next season. And it also looks like this could be the big year because Pavelski and Radulov's contracts end after this season. Um, you know, who knows what their goalie situation will look like. There's a lot of things going on um, with this team right now. I think Bonus's contract as well ends after this season. So a lot looks like it's coming into the 2021-2022 season. And if you look at the players they're going to have, this is why I was so excited for this year because I looked at their lineup and before they announced that Sagan and, and Bishop were going to be out and then before all the injuries happened, they were they looked like a really good team. And so right now, if you were to look on paper, um, you look at the possibility of a Sagan Radulov Ben line again. Ben playing center possibly because they loved him at center this year. So we'll see what happens with that. But Sagan, Ben, and Radulov have been incredible together in the past. Is that even their top line anymore because of the of the new top line that's jumped in? But those three have gone really well together. So you'd think there'd be some type of you know um, combination of those three as well. The next line or the top line, um, Hints, Pavelski, and Robert Robertson who were the Stars' best line all year, uh, the Stars' best players all year. And as long as Robertson keeps progressing, that is going to be a dynamic line. Who they, They've been one of the most consistent lines since, like, Ben and Sagan stayed together, uh, you know, a few back in 2016 and back when they were scoring a ton of goals. This line stayed together pretty much, maybe not even pretty much. I think as long as Hintz was in the lineup, they were a line uh, once they were united in that in March area. So, um, you look at those top six, and that that's as good as any top six in the league right there. Um, like I said, as long as Robertson keeps playing as he is, then it's as good as any top six. And then you look at, okay, well, wait, now that's the top six. What about Gurionov? What about Kiviranta? What about if they have uh, if they do bring in a Blake Coleman or someone like that? Now you have options. So now Gurionov can go on the third line maybe. Gurionov can go on the fourth line Um and you can kind of intertwine and mix and match your situations. But essentially, your bottom six, Radek Foxa will be a center, third line most likely. Gurionov, Kiviranta, um, if Cagliano or Coma come back, they'd be in that mix. If not, you have the Delandria, Damiani, a new addition, all those other guys. And then on that fourth line, you have a ton of options. You have the Nick Comanos, the Rhett Gardner, the Tanner Caro, um, Dickinson, if they do find a way to keep him here. Uh, you have all these names that, you know, could be a, a massive part of a really, really solid fourth line um, for that team. And if I'm, I'm probably forgetting some names, but the, the list goes on. Um, and then you look at the AHL players. I mentioned Damiani as well as uh, Masherin. They both played really well and excelled in the AHL, looked to be ready um, and could be ready to go as soon as this season. So there's a lot of names in there. And that's why I say a lot of these guys are, are young which is why I think bringing in someone like Blake Coleman could be really good for the team to add a for sure scoring defensive player. Because, you know, what if what happens if Delandria still isn't ready? You know, what happens if Damiani comes in and isn't scoring 
um, as much as they thought he would and or maybe isn't as defensive ready to be in that role you know whatever it might be it's nice to have that depth there as well then you look at the defensive side and this is where it really stacks up this is this is one of the top fours in the NHL I'm going to again assume they bring Alexiak back um, you look at the Klingberg Lindell it's been been their number one for a long time and then Miro and uh, Alexiak has been incredible as well so that top four right there again just like the top six as good as anyone in the league just straight up as good as anyone in the league. They brought back Joel Hanley and ext- signed an extension. He most likely will fit in in that fifth spot. And then uh, depending on what happens with with the veteran guys, you know, whether whether Vatanen or Pesic come back and whatever happens with those guys, but essentially that sixth spot is going to be um, similar to the last spot on the fourth line where there's just a ton of names. Um, does Is Thomas Harley ready for the NHL? The, the big, you know, Miro-like prospect that's in the AHL right now he had a great year does he make the jump and now your sixth spot is a player who could essentially be a top four guy and if he starts playing that well right away now you have a top six instead of a top four um or do you do you keep a Vatnin or a Pesic in there does uh Sekera stay there does um you know Joel Hanley is going to be on that spot and then uh what's his name Taylor Fadoon will be in could be in there um, you have those younger younger defensemen that have also stepped in at certain points. So you have a lot of names that could make it. But essentially, that's another dangerous defensive core. Um, like I said, it could be a top, it's a top four, it could even be a top six. So again, a very, very high level lineup there so, so far there. And now we get into the goalie log jam we just talked about. You either have Bishop Hudobin, Bishop Ottinger. I mean, you just, Bishop right there, like I said, we cannot forget how good he has been. He's been one of the best goalies in the league since he came into the league. Um, He's just had injury issues. That's been the only downside of his his career. So you bring in a Vesna caliber goalie, and your backup is either the guy who has proven he's an incredible backup and has proven to be a dynamic duo with Bishop in Hudobin, or say Hudobin goes somewhere else, you bring in the guy who just proved that he's NHL ready as a young player and is the star's future in Ottinger. Worst case scenario, you return with the Hudobin Ottinger duo because Bishop's not ready. That is definitely worst case scenario because we saw this year that duo was not that great. Now, maybe maybe it's a Ottinger's the starter and Hudobin's the backup. You never know, but the options are there. So, the name I'm getting excited. Just listen to those names that you bring up, and returning every coach right now is expected to return. Rick Bonus and and as long as uh, you know the big coaches for the Stars don't get a head coaching offer somewhere else, they're all going to return. Jim Neal said. So you're bringing back the core. You're bringing back the structure. You're bringing back these things, and then you're bringing back scoring for the players like Sagan, Radulov, fully healthy hints, all these guys that didn't play um, or didn't play as well because they were injured, whatever it was. And then you also might bring in, maybe you bring in a little addition, like we mentioned. Now, all of a sudden, this team is scary. This team is scary. And now, all of a sudden, you're looking and you're like, all right, this is the team that made the run to the 2020 Stanley Cup Final. And they did it without some of those guys. Sagan was hurt the whole playoff. Hints was hurt for throughout the playoffs. Foxa was hurt. Klingberg was hurt. Bishop wasn't even there. So you're thinking, as much as you know, you know injuries are going to come here and there. They, it's part of a season. But if they can keep those injuries to a minimum... Who beats this team? You know, for real, who who beats that Stars team um, that is playing that that defensive system as well as they are, adding a goal per game? 
in say in with those players that come back, I don't think they lose to to the Tampas, and um, I don't. So they're going to be back in their regular central. So who you know who beats them? Nashville, Winnipeg, um, those other teams that are in that that normal Chicago, the normal central division. It's a it looks good for this team, um, and I really think they're going to have a successful year. And there's no one wants to mention you know the winning window and things within the organization, but th- this is a big year. This is a big, big year for the Stars, and I really think that if they can keep their injuries to a minimum, um, they met, they have a very good chance at making a deep, deep run, and maybe they bring that second cup to Dallas, um, which would be a very, very awesome thing to see. So, anyway, deep breath. We're looking at a fun summer we're looking at a fun playoffs and then we're looking at a fun summer of watching where teams go we're going to see seattle come into the league next year um arizona jumping over to the central and seattle will jump into the west or the pacific um and so we have a lot to look forward to we have a lot to be grateful for as we know last episode i'm not going to do the same thing and go on about how excited i am that hockey is going on but um a lot of fun stuff going on so please guys Enjoy your summer. Enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs. Enjoy the offseason. Enjoy getting ready for what is hopefully, praying, hopefully, a full 82-game, full arena, full travel season next next year. I want to thank you guys so much for this for listening throughout this first season of the Slapshot Sammy podcast. It was so much fun. Next season, we'll be bringing back. I'll bring in more guests. I'll bring in more interviews. I'll bring in more things, um, and we'll, we'll go from there and just keep this thing rolling. So thank you guys for listening. This is Sam Nessler signing off for the final time of season one of the Slapshot Sammy podcast. Take care, guys.